Welcome to all of our new and existing relatives and listeners. This is the Healing Dojo podcast series brought to you by the Her Wellness Institute in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us as we engage in meaningful conversation around the complexities of our collective and individual healing. In the reflection parts of our series, we engage as the CAM Masterclass in deeper conversations and explore this episode's content. Come as you are and let's begin. And definitely, I mean, also you're dealing with human psychology. And so each client is gonna be so different. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're also most likely injured. Oh wait, I'm gonna be Mm -hmm. quietly about to say something. (laughs) I was gonna say, um, at this point, do you, Marcy and Sarah and Min, if you wanna chime in, how does, this look like when we're doing a circle of care because we're using an integrated model. So most models will um, refer out and they work in silos still though. So you'll have the counselor that you might meet and then you have the OT, you might have the social worker, but they really are not working collaboratively. Um, They may co-advocate together, which means that they may work towards similar goals with a, they might call client, we say relative, But in her Wellness Institute, we do things a little bit differently, and it's going to look different when we do a circle of care. So I'm hoping that Marcy, because she's been part of circles of care, can maybe lean into this conversation, and then if anybody else wants to chime in. But what does that look like with an occupational therapist kind of being brought into a circle of care? Okay, so can you hear me? My internet was going. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, so... So if someone has experienced some type of trauma, either childhood trauma or intergenerational trauma, um, they're most likely um, in like the lower part of their brain. So like their brain stem. So that's like breathing and heart rate and trying to regulate our body. So they're not, so if they're in that sort of a state, they're not going to be like the talk therapy and the counseling is not um, going to be as effective as OT is going to be, because the OT is going to come in, teach him how, teach him different regulation strategies, how to do breathing, how to use some sensory um, strategies to regulate their body. And then once they have learned some of those things and they're, they're feeling a little more connected to their body, they're feeling a little more grounded, because if you're not connected and grounded, you're, you're not going to be feeling good at all. You're not going to be able to do much. Then once they feel regulated, then you can, um, refer them to or you can the circle of care would be then to go to the to the counselor and say hey this this relative i'm working with they've been doing really good with regulation they've been able to to sustain their attention in school or do whatever um they need to do to regulate their body now can we do some some of the talk therapy to work on maybe some of the anxieties maybe some of to work through the trauma that they've experienced in their childhood or, or whenever they experienced. And then, and then you can loop in the social worker there and then the social worker couldn't provide them with resources um, to different services they might need in the community to, to, so they can access all that stuff. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Did I, was that good? Anything else, Sarah? No, I think you really hit it on the, Ahead there, you the point of the circle of care is to everyone takes their own expertise and 
gives it to the the client or the relative just so that they can have the the best response to every treatment that they're receiving. So it's really a teamwork effort. Wow, that's impressive. I'm going to jump in there and just kind of add to that because you you both did really, really good at sharing that. We need to have more conversations around what is a circle of care and why we use it. Because at Her Wellness, we don't take insurance or charge anybody. We're able to bring all of our disciplines together and there's no competition of the egos, right? So there's not, oh, you are this, you're, you're a therapist and you're an OT and you're a social worker, you're this or you're that, you have this license. One is higher than the other in a specific conversation, specifically when we're talking about mental health. What I wanted to develop was a way for us to come together and not have to we come in with our gifts, we come in with our knowledge, we come in with what will best help somebody. And it's not about competing on who had the better answer. It's about sharing the knowledge so that we can come up with the best solution for one person who's sitting there looking for help. They're looking for their life to feel better. They've been struggling with something for longer than it took for them to be able to give us a phone call. Sometimes it could be five, 10 years that they've been waiting to get this relief and to be able to come into a space and the therapist to say, you know what, I'm hearing we all meet together. So it would be, um, you know, say we had uh, the therapist there, we would have the OT, the social worker there, maybe a community healer or some cultural advisor, and they would all be meeting with you at one time. Everyone's having tea. And whether it's Zoom, so before we had to go into Zoom, it was everybody had tea, you know, somebody was bringing in essential oils, <laughs> things like that, just to warm up the space. But and now it's done through Zoom. And what that would look like is we have all those parties involved and it's just getting to know you. Tell us what you are looking for. What is it that you need support in? What do you feel you want to work towards? And a lot of times, if somebody has experienced trauma, they aren't thinking about their goals. That's the furthest, furthest point to why they came in the first place. They don't know what their goals are. They don't know where they should be starting from. And so as, as people in the field, we're able to listen to what they have to say. We're listening for patterns. We're listening for what it is that they're telling us versus what they say they need from us. And as we're doing that, each person has an ear out for what their profession would be listening for. And then you're able to consult with each other afterwards and say, you know, this is what I heard. Well, this is what I heard. Well, this is what I heard. And when we come together, all of a sudden light bulbs come on because it's okay that I didn't hear what you heard. That wouldn't be helping that person. What's brilliant is when I hear something different than you hear, but yet we all heard something that had truth to it. And it's that truth that will help with the collective story. It can, it can, it, it can help to um, provide exponential growth in their therapeutic treatment plan when we create a therapeutic web for them. And we can also start learning from each other in a way where, you know, you're not shy to say to the person next to you, hey, you know about that thing you just said? Could you tell me about that again? Yeah, you all have master's degrees or you all have, you know, it's about not looking at each other as the competition in the space. And often in our current system that we have, um, I love the, the term, you know, it's a medical uh, economy based model, right? 
And that medical economy based model is not going to serve us anymore. And when we come together and we can start having opportunities for each one of you to raise your voice in spaces and talk about what healing can look like, we're going to see that the healing doesn't need us to be on the journey for indefinitely. We're going to be able to walk people to a healing part of their own journey much sooner. And we're actually seeing exponential turnover because we have an integrated model where somebody who would normally need to be, you know, 15 sessions with one person and then another 15 sessions with somebody else is getting that amount in only 15 weeks with all of those people. And they're having outcomes that are very desirable. Uh, and so again, when you base your practice on a wellness model and not an illness model that feeds off of sickness, we will see a different um, we'll just see health and wellness in a, in, a, in a whole new way. So I wanted to just bring that in there um, for a circle of care so that we can um, begin thinking about your role. And that's why we do these CAM pieces is for you to kind of reflect about what is my role in the conversation of shared knowledge. Um, and so that's all I wanted to say. From that point now, looking at the time, I want to go around. And I want our team here to think about what are your questions to um, Marcy and Sarah and Min and um, even like Fonde, you know, when you're thinking about healthy words and what this means for occupation, right? So let's now go into kind of a conversation around that. And what we will be doing is looking for kind of sound bites that we're going to be able to um, pare down through these can I, questions. Can I just say real quick that I think we should probably have a, a web, uh, do a podcast where we interview Leah. Just gonna put that out there. That probably just, just a theory. We interviewed Leah and we all had a question to ask her in relationship to any of the stuff you all have learned in CAM. That would probably make a great podcast. So I'm gonna put that out there. I, I don't know Leah that well, so maybe someone else can ask her, but um, I just wanna suggest that. It sounds like she has a lot to say. We can learn a lot from her. Am I supposed to also go first? I'm not Xavier Smart. <laughs> He's sitting over there. Xavier, you're supposed to go first. Oh, <laughs> you want me to you want me to actually answer about healthy words right now and go first? I will. So, okay, well, for me about occupational therapists and healthy words, what I do love is that I love that just built into the fabric of it is a beautiful opportunity to encourage all the time. So the language I can imagine that an occupational therapist uses is one of encouragement. So you're going to consistently be giving and providing people a, a healthy, um, encouraging vocabulary where you would constantly be showing them ways to feel good with their, and it's really beautiful because it's like, you get to feel good about how you occupy your time on the planet Earth. In essence, it's like feeling good about being alive. And so that's, what I, that's, that's how I thought, think of it with healthy words, is that you all must speak with natural encouragement. And I would say that if someone was an, ocup was an occupational therapist and they did not, it would seem to be counterintuitive to the ability to help someone heal. It, it, it seems to be the case in some, what I, you know, an it, it seems to be like occupational therapists um, 
has to use healthy words. <laughs> and, and maybe some of these other, um, I, I know, it seems like across the board, that's just what this healing process is going to be. But occupational therapists, because of the, the physical, the mental, the, the finding yourself in space, regulating yourself, I mean, each one of these things is also something you can, you can, you can not feel confident in. And so the, you know, to be able to provide encouragement and confidence is exquisite and extraordinary. It sounds like that's the, those are the two healthy words I think of immediately when I think about uh, occupational therapy after what I've learned today. Whose turn is it, Leah? So why don't we just open it up to the, to everybody here, just start to kind of, I want to hear from everybody. So whenever you feel like taking your turn to be able to uh, put out their questions or thoughts that you had, um, even thinking about your own occupation that you've chosen and how to, how would you integrate one another's work, right? Let's just even think about that. Yes, you've learned things from her wellness, but you know, just kind of thinking about outside of her wellness, what could that look like? What do you need it to look like is another question. What do you need this integrated model to look like when you're in other spaces that don't just naturally have it built in. So wherever you want to take that question, you don't even have to use that. You can just go ahead and go somewhere completely different. I saw Allison had a really good point um, that she shared about a potential podcast uh, topic. Really liked that one too, to hear that. So whatever you feel like, but just someone go ahead and jump in and each person will take a turn. So whenever somebody ends, just go ahead and unclick yourself and um, start going from that point. I can hop in. Um, yeah, so my, my response was kind of in line with that comment on how Fonde just intuitively and naturally regulates himself by doing push-ups in the morning. And one thing I've noticed like working with um, kids and just like being around my niece and nephew, it's just amazing how they will choose to self-regulate. Like we'll be, you know, in the middle of some homework and my nephew will just get up and like jump 20 times and then like, you know, grab a Lego and then come back to the table. And I think conventionally, when we think about like the culture of a school environment, it's not giving space or time for these kids to intuitively self-regulate because I, I definitely believe that we all have that ability. It's just kind of hidden under, you know, fear of judgment or other types of like, you know, cultural um, circumstances. And in my work, like as a, as a counselor, I worry that my background in integrative yoga therapy won't be fully integrated because when you think about counseling and therapy, it's this, you know, sitting across each other in comfortable, you know, cushion chairs and couches, rather than this active moving your body, breathing your breath, healing your experience. So for me, I run into this like hesitation of how to explain my approach and even how to um, explain the impact of how we feel physically on how we feel mentally and emotionally and methods that you know really are just simple like creating a routine can be completely transformative for our mental health so for me having this um, better understanding of occupational therapy I feel like 
I could more easily and more readily refer individuals for occupational therapy and give them kind of a guidance system on what that might look like for them and know that I can refer to, you know, practitioners like that, not just when it's an injury, not just when life gets thrown upside down, but maybe, you know, when someone is going through a life transition or otherwise. So, so yeah, it's really cool to hear more about occupational therapy and, it is quite amazing just what a wide scope of information that you have gained over um, schooling. Just wow, I can't imagine like being both science-minded and mental health-minded simultaneously. So it's been quite amazing to listen to you share. I can't wait to learn more. Yeah, and I just want to hop in and say, Sarah and Marcy, you guys did such a good job at explaining what OT is. I mean, before even coming to her wellness, I didn't know anything about OT. So you guys explained it really well. And I kind of brought a question while into the chat while you guys were talking about um, wondering, is there a connection to physical therapy? And then Allison and Min kind of clarified that. Um, and even kind of bringing it to how Leah mentioned with working interdisciplinary, I, it makes me think back to when I was working um, in CPS uh, for social work. I was working, um, doing supervised visits with the kids and their biological parents. And so many times the parents would like express how they struggle with like keeping a job, finding a job, just even making it to the visitations on time or having transportation to get there. So I feel like, and we didn't have any OTs in that space, I feel like if we could have implemented OTs to work just with the parents, it would like have a trickle effect so much more. And like even just getting them to their visits on time and um, providing that space for their kids to get to the point of reunification. So um, yeah, man, I wish you could put OTs in all of these spaces well, that they should be in already. So very cool. Yeah, and I just wanted to kind of add to that, um, like everything like what Mariah was talking about, I, it's so needed, especially with social workers as well, because we're always on a go, we're always doing this and that. Even us as social workers, I think will benefit greatly from OTs, because um, oftentimes when you're in the helping profession, you don't really think about yourself because you're spending so much time helping everyone else that you forget to help yourself regulate as well. And just kind of, you forgot about, you know, taking time for yourself to just kind of doing deep reading or anything of that sort. Um, so I think it's so important to incorporate all of that. And especially like what Mariah was talking about with the clients and stuff like that. Oftentimes, their life is flying, you know, very fast. And, you know, it would be greatly beneficial um, for the clients and also their children and just everyone because oftentimes we don't have the skills. I don't know uh, any OT skills to help with that. So definitely I see the huge benefit of OT and I just love the integration of just everyone having their own specified role, but everyone is respecting each other's role. Um, so I love that uh, approach and it's so needed, especially in this field, because at the end of the day, the goal is to help the client. It's not about you know our egos or who's better, or who's clinical and who's not clinical. 
I can also um, touch on it. I think like what everyone was saying, it just like really makes a lot of sense, right? Of like how important OT is. And I think for me, as I like continue this journey of like who, how I want to be in the role of therapist, I think it's being aware of and understanding the role of OT in a way of like how I can incorporate that and know when to uh, reach out and um, use it as like use them as support. I think for me, what I'm, and I've talked about this during our last NMT, but I think what's what's kind of sticking with me, what I what, what I want my next steps to be is knowing, knowing and looking for the signs of when when something more OT focused would be uh, beneficial and helpful for the relative um, instead of going into a more uh, counseling, cognitive, therapeutic kind of approach. So being able to like take a step back and look at it in a big picture and, and know, um, know, know when it would be helpful to, to think more in OT. I can ask a question. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Awesome. Yes. Uh, and this can be thrown out to uh, Sarah, Marcy, Min. Um, I have no idea where or how occupational therapy sort of came to fruition. How did the, the profession, how did the discipline come through? Because I think of like, like I look at my fellow social workers, like we know Jane Addams, we know the late 1800s, the connections to charity work. How did OT become what it is today in like a short, brief answer? Just very curious if there's anyone we should know or how the heck we got where we got. Um, I don't know a whole bunch of names, but I can tell you where we started. We actually started in mental health. So we started way back. Um, when people were put um, in institutions and asylums and stuff like that. So the OT was brought in to get your hands busy because then your mind will follow. So if all these people that we were putting in institutions because they had mental health problems or disabilities or anything, we would all put them in an institution. Um, so the OTs came in to actually help them do some occupations to get um, their hands busy so that then they can focus on getting better. And also there are a couple um, really popular OTs that you're learning from right now. Do you want to just name drop a little bit about who they are? Oh, um, Dr. Tina Champagne. Um, she actually has done a lot of work um, in the mental health field and in uh, mental hospitals, um, we're with reducing the um, restraints that um, patients are being put in because that's so um, detrimental to their health. So she's just been implementing her OT skills, her sensory modulation, doing like a calming sensory room, rocking chairs, weighted blankets, and she's actually um, reduced the amount of restraints needed in hospitals to like three times below the standard uh, national average. So just by bringing in that sensory and the regulation into mental health, it actually helps tremendously. 
And I'm not sure about who else. I think Tina Maybe. Champagne is probably one of our biggest uh, influencers at the at, right now with um, sensory integration and really focusing on being able to regulate before you can move on and be be productive. So. So I just want to chime in. Um, Dr. Perry is actually a good um, recommendation if anyone wants to know anything more about um, NMT. That's the neurosequential theory, I think it's what it's called. Um, that's basically where we talk about how information gets processed from the brainstem, from the bottom, all the way to the cortex. So. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what I love about this conversation um, is, so what stands out to me, two things, right, is number one, this aspect of behavior and how that kind of, um, that can tell us a lot about a person and what they're needing. Um, so that just kind of stands out to me. And then also this aspect of- Steve, you come a little bit closer. I'm sorry, you're really hard to hear. Sorry. Um, also this aspect of uh, just the importance of mind, body, and mind, body, spirit connection. Because um, when we think about um, trauma and the experiences that we go through, right? Uh, we, we disconnect from those aspects. Um, so being able to, it, it just makes sense to have healing and have an interdisciplinary approach where all of that is included, where you have an OT that can help you reconnect with your body, have um, a mental health professional that can help you, you know, reconnect with some of your thoughts and things like that, um, just to have this, this idea of balance. Um, so I just think it's, it's super cool. Um, just to learn more about OT and the work that you all do and just the, the importance of us all working together um, so that we can truly help the individual, right? Um, so that's kind of my, my thoughts. I had a quick question. I just wanted to know um, if someone doesn't have a regulation strategy or let's say they just don't how, how do you identify or help them identify something that that regulates them or are humans kind of universal is it kind of like if we all practice breathing we all can benefit from it i was just curious yeah so it's going to be very individualized and you'll be able they'll be able to tell you if it's working or not they will know they will feel it they will feel a connection within their body and with whatever they're doing and how they're presenting themselves with whatever strategy you give them, they will know, they'll be able to identify it. And so our job would be helping guide them in the direction that would best suit them and help them regulate. Question, does breathe, but breathing, I'm just curious, because I see like that square breathing thing. I see teachers do this all the time. I was just curious, is that, actually kind of a is that did that come from ot then the breathing process so that people can re regulate in school or when people are upset i'm not sure if it's specifically ot but we do use it and it's very helpful with stimulating the vagus nerve to help us calm down 
And that's why it's used widely in all sorts of fields. So that that's a good one that's pretty universal with helping us relax and calm Did down. you call it the vagus nerve? Yes, that could be a topic for another time. Yes. Great. I'm going to Google that later. <laughs> all right. It's your social engagement. It's the longest nerve of your body, the 10th. Uh, 10th sacral nerve and so you'll learn a lot about it Fonde but you use it all the time healthy words is rooted in the vagus nerve I'll guarantee you that all so right. um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas <laughs> <laughs> um, square breathing okay is part of mindfulness CBT so when we look at there's three generations of um, behavioral uh, of, C, of behavioralism um, and it started with behavioralism to CBT to then our more mindfulness based CBTs and you're going to see a lot of the work came from What's um, CBT? Leah? Oh, cognitive behavioral therapy thank you and so you will have you'll see that a lot of the more mindfulness based strategies came from um, these approaches Really, though, all of our fields that are about regulation, whether it's mindfulness-based or OTs, occupational therapy work, are going to use um, a lot of the similar strategies to help their, their clients, their relatives. Uh, what I find interesting is that we don't ever talk that we talk to each other that we, we use the same strategies. Um, and if we did, we could create more of a universal language because a lot of these strategies go back to just being human and what works for being human within our central nervous system. And so that's why, you know, if we had more of these kind of open dialogues, could you imagine if we were just a group of just counselors or just social workers or just OTs? You're learning things from each other every single week that will open up your mind into how you can best serve somebody and also yourself, right? And so that's um, the square breathing is, is a beautiful exercise. There's many more um, exercises very similar to that, that just help to activate that vagus nerve uh, and other parts of, then we get deep into like the dorsal vagus nerve and the, you know, ventral, you know, the, the, all, the, all the different pieces. We're not gonna go that deep tonight. Guess what, Leah? Um, the vagus nerve is not spelled like vagus. It's not. Okay, no. I just wanted to let you know. Did you Google it? It's not I spelled it like up. vagus. I had to look it up. I just wanted yeah. to make sure I let everybody in the, in the free world know that. Yeah, no, not vagus like vagus. Nerve, you're just gonna see people getting upset with each other in, in vegas. Mm -hmm. oh, you got to You got to Google. It's V A G U S. That's so let me see. I think did everyone go? Yes. Right. Everyone went. Yes. So what I would like to do now is we. It's okay if we leave a little bit early, but I wanted us to um, have just another final kind of like wrap up with the OT piece. Uh, so wherever you want to take it from this point, Marcy and Sarah please do. I'm just going to have you freestyle it um, and involve, you know, even if you have an exercise that Fonde could try, I'm um, just saying, or if you have something that, you know, questions that you can ask him to understand, because you do things like sensory profiles, you do things like, um, I mean, they're fascinating. I okay. love the exercises that OTs do. Before, before that, I, I need some help from OTs for real. So I'm trying to create, I'm just curious real quick. And you can email me these answers later if this is not, I know you don't have a lot of time, but I, 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 I sincerely want to create this six hour block in my life. And I want to be able to occupy my time a very specific way. And because in the last few months, it's been so fluid, I'm deeply concerned that I don't know how to get me under control in order to do that. 
and I feel like I need help. But we can email later. I just want to put that out there. Like I, I, I want to occupy my time right. I, I will thrive if I can get me under control. I know that about. Me. I know, but I getting me under control. Lord have mercy. So I don't know. I'll answer it a little bit right now. But okay. what? So with that six-hour block, what you'd be doing is you'd be um, dosing and spacing out those activities that you've been doing like the push-ups or i don't know you said you don't drink coffee but they're going for a walk like or whatever yeah yeah so dose that throughout that six hour block so you're not doing a whole six hours on zoom or whatever so that you have time to regulate yourself that's what all these activities are doing oh okay so i i will infuse self-care through subtle dosing into my new system that I'm doing and I will feel okay. And yes. I'll feel more at home automatically that first, after that first hour or so, after I zoom around, then I can just stop, maybe do some push-ups. Um, I don't know, tell my pull-up bar that I'm a pull-up and stuff like that. And then I can um, start up another Zoom session. And yeah. if I just do that, I may not even, I, I, it won't be as traumatic as being like sitting in front of the Zoom screen and saying, all right, you have to do six hours of this. <laughs> all right, that's one. Well, thank you for that, that bit of advice. I'll do right, that, yeah. <laughs> I know we really wanted y'all to close with very important OT stuff. I felt like that was the most important thing an OT has ever done just now. Should we teach them pace, Sarah, or no? I was thinking maybe, yeah. Yeah, most <laughs> yes. likely teach them some. Okay. I'm ready. So we we have um, a, a, a regulation strategy that um, everyone can use. It takes about two minutes. And you, you could do this between your Zooms, Fonde, or anyone can do this if they're feeling a little unregulated. They're not in their just right place. So this, this is called pace. And we're going to do a couple quick movements just to get our brains um, in that better place and get them ready to do our activities. Okay. Okay. So, so first what I want you to do is I want you to bend down and touch your toes. So everybody you just bend down. Or, and, or I can, can I do it from my chair? You can do it from your chair. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. This is a lot easier. I'll tell you right now, that wasn't going to happen standing up. So, <laughs> so just well, bend down, touch I, your I toes. I'm going to try standing up because I, I have a, a, a really good, encouraging person here with me. And all right, we're going to try that. Touch the toes. Oh, yeah. All right, I did that. Okay, so just, just keep your, that thought of how that felt just in the back of your mind, and we'll come back to it in a little we're bit. We're going to talk okay? about what happened to my hamstrings. But all right, <laughs> I'm going to keep it in my head. All right. Okay, so now the next thing would be to um, drink some water because water increases the electricity in the body. It does? Yes. Huh. I didn't know that. I'm going to secretly be running around thinking I'm Hydro Man. I got more electricity than ever before. I'm about to get hydrated. I might just stop drinking altogether now. I want electricity. Dehydration is la lack of electricity. I want some food. That's nice. All right, go on. I drank some water. I touched okay. my toes. I am pacing. So the next thing we're going to do is called brain buttons. So you're going to oh. put one hand on your chest. Okay. And one hand on your belly. One hand on my chest and my belly? Yes. Oh, that's And then nice. we're, 
We're just gonna sit here. You can close your eyes and we're gonna breathe for a few seconds. Okay, we can go on to the next one. So after we've done the brain buttons. Those are the, brain, that gonna, the brain button that just happened? Yes. Okay, that's a brain button, all right. So now I want you to take your left hand towards your right knee and your right hand towards your left knee. Do I touch them or just put them over there? Yeah, you can touch them. I can't do them right now, but- No, but I was you, just asking. Yeah, touch, touch them, bring, yeah, bring your knee up as you're touching each side. Hold on, I gotta, look, I gotta get in a new, I gotta get to a better desk. All right, so I'm gonna bring it this yep. side. And yep, this just one, like that. And then I go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yep, just keep going for a little bit. How long do I do this? This feel like I could this I could get some exercise in. Just a, a couple repetitions. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm good at this. Okay, we can be done with that part. All right. So wait. So what? The, I just did some stuff. I touched my toes. I did some with my brain buttons. I remember what I did, and then there was something else I did. Drink water. Oh, I drank some water. We, we still have another step, hang on. All right, I'm ready. Okay, so now I want you to cross your ankles. What? Yep, oh, just while I, you're sitting in the chair. No, no, but I can cross my ankle. Okay, I'm sorry. I, look, I, this started looking like, I was like, I can't twist my ankles around each other, but I get it. Just cross my legs at my ankles. Yeah, cross your legs. Yeah, okay, cool. And at my ankles. And then what yeah. do I do? Then you're gonna put your arms out in front of you with your palms. Um, touching each other. One hand's gonna go over the top and then you're gonna twist in. Yep. Oh, it's like I love me. Yeah, we're just gonna like see- Like I went on a little date with myself. We're crossing <laughs> legs, holding hands, and then we just came in for a big old hug. <laughs> that was nice. I like me. I should go on more dates with me now that I know OTs. I'm gonna spend more time, drink me some water and be electric. And then we can just sit here, we can close our eyes if we want and just oh. feel our bodies. Hmm. And then you can uncross your arms and your legs. And then we're just gonna touch our fingertips together. And that is pace. That's pace. Let's go over yes. those one more time. One after okay, the other. So, one second. Yes. We got to go back to touching our toes again. So I want you to go and touch your toes. One more time? One more time. Hey. Toe touching. Woo. All right. Okay, did toes. you feel anything different from the first time you touched your toes to the second time you touched your toes? Well, yes, actually. It didn't hurt as much. Exactly. So all the things that we just did with Pace, that actually helped to activate your brain and make you, you were able to touch your toes farther. So even just this little two minute activity that we did stimulated your brain, got you into a little, a better state. Got a burst. Yes. Yeah, I got a brain burst out of that. So yep. tell me again the steps so I can be brain bursting on people when they see me. They ain't gonna know what's going on. They'll be like, why is he hugging himself like that during this meeting? I'm gonna be zooming, everybody ain't ready for how I'm gonna be zooming now. I'm gonna be touching my toes and drinking water thinking it's electric. Anyway. <laughs> Um, what are the steps again? Tell me again, there's six steps. Toe touching. Touch your toes. 
Yep. Drink water. Drink some water. Do the brain buttons. Toes, water, brain. Yeah. Then you're going to cross your right hand towards your left knee, your left hand towards your right knee. So you're crossing. Crossing. Yeah. All right. Crisscrossing legs, hands. And... Okay. Then you're going to cross your ankles and do the hug with your arms. Cross ankles. Hug yourself. With crossed hands, though. It's got to be a certain kind of hug. I can't just be grabbing yeah. myself any kind of way. Yeah. All right. And then you're just going to um, touch your fingertips together. Yeah. And Which then I you like touch to, your toes. Yeah. Touch fing fingers, touch your toes. Wow. And you know what I like about that? all of that? I feel like my whole body was involved. That's exactly it, yes. Huh. Everybody got it to participate. Mm-hmm. So you can do that whenever you're feeling a little dysregulated and you need that that little bit of a movement break or any type of break from your work. Just doing that will help get you back into that regulated state. Well, that's, that's a wonderful gift. Thank you very much. Uh, that is kind of what I was asking about. Like, what do I, is there anything that is kind of universal that I, all of us might be able to do? And what I really, I, the, the beautiful irony in this is I, did, I would have never guessed you were going to say drink water. Yep. Just never in a million years would I have thought that that would be part of it. But I understand so um, how, how, how water is so important. I mean, it, and so it's just, that's really cool that that is a part of it. Cause you, you don't think about drinking water as a part of therapy. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Wow. Well, thank you all very much. I sure appreciate all that I have learned. I think everyone else is overjoyed to have more clarity about, If you're looking for more information or more ways for sensory regulation, you can check out the Her Wellness Facebook page. We have sensory fitness videos that we do weekly on there. So there's some, some other fun ideas that you can do yourself or with your child. So check those out if you want some more information. Thank you, Fonde, for having this conversation with us. We really enjoyed it and we learned a lot too. So we appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you for listening along to this collective Reflection Relatives. We hope the content and thoughts you experienced will continue to ignite the healing within. We encourage you to continue the conversation by scrolling through our other podcast episodes. We wish you all the love and good energy as you move forward in your healing journey. It is our honor to be here with you. Be sure to check us out on our Facebook page or at www.herwellness.org. And that is spelled H-I-R wellness.org. Take care, relatives.